Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Now, we know things go wrong in the world, don't we? Tragedies, 
human failures, unexpected, out of the blue stuff just happens. It can be really awful. And the question we can often ask with that straight away is, why? Why did God allow this? Did God cause this in some way? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why don't more bad things happen to bad people? Why don't kind of good things seem to happen to some of the worst people? And they seem to have an easy life and get away with it, and then somebody else has this happen and that happen. We've asked these kind of questions. Why did this go wrong? Zoe and I have been reading through um, in our daily readings, one of them is, is Job recently. It's not a happy book. In case you've never been there. He, you know, this, he basically, everything changes in one awful day. He loses everything. He ends up sick and poor and alone. And his friends turn up and they sit quiet for a bit, but as soon as they start opening their mouths, they go all CSI. They want to investigate. They're looking for what went wrong. They're looking for who's to blame. And they say to him, this must be because you're a sinner. That's the reason this has happened. There must be some secret sin in your life that caused all this. And he says, well, I don't think there is. And they go, aha, that shows you're proud. (laughs) It's easy to spot a problem. It's easy to pick holes. It's easy to point the finger. It doesn't take much intelligence. It, it takes very little faith to say, here's what I think is wrong, here's where the trouble is, here's why I believe it's happening. You point out the problem and then you look to assign blame. So the disciples saw a blind man begging. But they were blind. Blind to what was really going on. They, they just wanted to rationally, theologically try and come to some conclusions about it. He wasn't a person to them, he was a theological problem. Who's to blame? Whose fault is it? Was it the man himself who was to blame or was it his parents or his grandparents or something? Was he under some curse from generations? Who brought this judgment upon him? Why was God punishing him? They thought they were sent like the police. But notice, Jesus doesn't go like the police to investigate. He goes to intervene like a paramedic. He goes as the ultimate healer and the ultimate helper. Look at the difference. You ready? As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. He saw the same thing as they did, but he saw a person, a person to be healed. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? They saw a problem to be investigated. Big difference. Jesus then says, listen, it's not caused by his sin or their sin or anybody else's sin. Your focus is all wrong. We're in the Ivy's year of focus. This is Ivy's year of focus. How often is the church focused on pointing out sins rather than extending out a powerful healing hand? Don't we end up making matters worse when we come in like that? Some of you probably know that I was in the police for a long time. My first um, accident that I actually went to on my own, I remember it, I can never forget it, Victoria Avenue in Blakely. The, the, I got a call on the radio that there was an accident 
guy being knocked off his motorbike, so I went along, and there's this big crowd. I'm 18 and a half, I literally know nothing. And I get there, I'm wearing my new uniform, it's way too big for me, and, and everybody's waiting, and then it's like, oh, it's all right, the police are here. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh no, it's me. <laughs> and uh, everybody parts, everybody's been doing anything useful, steps away, because the police are here now. So I go over, now in those days you had this great big radio that hung around your, your neck here and I was like, that's, that's a bit more help if anybody else could come. He was on this like harness around here and uh, this guy's lying there. Now I knew he had his motorbike helmet on and I knew you're not supposed to take the helmet off because all kinds of stuff can happen with that. So, uh, but somebody had already taken it off. But I thought, what can I do? And then there's all oh, the police here, the police here. I had a great big overcoat on because it was winter. So I thought, I know what I'll do, make him comfortable. First aid, I've been on lots of first aid training, thankfully at that point. So I took my coat off, folded it up into a nice pillow to put underneath his head. And as I did, the radio that was here, fell out and smashed right into his face. And everybody went, <laughs> including me, I think. I wasn't much use. See, when the police turn up, it's usually bad news, isn't it? When Jesus turns up, it's never bad news. It's always good news. God the Father sent the Son with good news. In Luke chapter 4, verse 43, he told Simon Peter where they were going to go next, and he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, because that is why I was sent. Jesus knew why he was sent. Good news. And if we're his followers, we better have some good news. We better be good news. If you can't, if you haven't got any good news, you have to wonder if you're going with Jesus. Or if you're on your own. If we're his followers, he sends us the same way. Jesus tells his followers, verse 4, we must do the works of him who sent me. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't say, I must do the works. We must do the works of him who sent Jesus. Are we doing it? Are we waiting for him to do it? He doesn't say, everybody stand back please. I'm here now, stand back. Everybody watch what I do. No, he says, we must do the works. He wants us involved. Every one of us, that's what he wants. So are we doing these works? What are we doing in the world that looks like Jesus is coming? When people see us, do they see that Jesus is coming? Maybe years ago here at John Wimber, a very famous Christian um, pastor, incredible miracles and healings that happened under his ministry. And, uh, and I heard him speak at a conference years ago, and he, and he said that when he, he like, had a background, he'd been in bands, he was very successful, and um, he'd been involved in drugs and all kinds of things and in his life. Then he became Christian radically. Ended up um, going along to this church where they read the stuff about what was happening and what God did and about Jesus and all that. And he'd be sitting there making notes on it and loving it and getting into it. And then he came up one day to the pastor, he'd been there a few months, and he said, so when do we get to do the stuff? And he said, what stuff? And he said, well, this stuff that we read about in here, when do we get to do that? 
And the pastor said, oh no, we don't do it. We read about it and we learn about it. And John Wimber said, you mean I gave up drugs for that? <laughs> like, is that the best? Is that the best we've got to offer? Is that all we've got to offer? Jesus, now remember, it's Jesus who does the work. But who does he want to do the work? Us. He wants us to do the work. And now, we don't know, he doesn't always do it the same way. You know, you read through, there's all these different ways that Jesus worked. We don't know why he did the spitty mud pie thing on this particular occasion. He never did that with anybody else. He never did it with any other blind people, as far as we know, spitting on the ground, making little muddy bits and sticking it on his eyes. But I was reading something that said, interestingly, to do so would be categorised, he's doing just enough to be categorised as work. To make those mud pies would be classed as work. So he was doing just enough to annoy religious people <laughs> by working on the Sabbath. Think about the world right now. What kind of works do you think God wants to happen in the world right now? Where? Where does he want it to happen? How does it happen? Maybe it's not going to be us and around us in the places that he's putting us. In John's Gospel, right after his death and resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples and he said, As, say as, as, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As means the same way. Just as the Father has sent me, how did, how did he send, how did the Father send Jesus? Did he send him with the ability to do miracles? Yeah. Did he send him with the ability to open blind eyes? Yeah. Did he send him with, the, 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 with wisdom? Yeah. Did he send him with good news? Yeah. As the Father sent me, Jesus says, I'm sending you. He came to rescue the world. He came to redeem the world. He didn't come to reject the world. He said, I've not come to judge the world. He said, I've not come to condemn the world but so that the world might be saved through me. Now, as the Father sent Jesus, he wants to send you and me. So the question is, or what I need to ask you is, are you just here? Or are you sent? Are you just here by accident? Now, here in this city, at this time, are you just part of this church? And it just happened. This is just random. Do you believe that? No. Some people do. Some people, you can lose hope in it. You can kind of think, well, it's just the way it is. Those people will do very little for God. Those people will waste a Christian life. They'll come to the end of however long they got, not having done much to Jesus, and still be saved by grace, kind of wander into heaven, and be amazed. I don't want that to be true of me. I do not want an ordinary life. Not since I met Jesus. I'm spoiled for an ordinary life. I don't want an ordinary life anymore. I want the miracles. I want the power. I want to see I want to see salvation come. Body, mind, soul, and spirit. I want to see people's torment broken. I want to see 
addictions broken. I yeah. want to see healing yeah. come. I want to see um, people who, who were blind in all kinds of ways. I want the light to come on. Yeah. I love it when that happens. There's nothing better than that. Yeah. Nothing better than that. Nothing you buy in the shops is ever going to compare with that. Nothing you can wear. Yeah. Nothing that is cooler no. than anything like that. It's amazing. So are you here just because you're here? Or are you sent? Are you sent to be part of this, part of here? If not, go wherever you're sent. Yeah. Yes. But be sent. Yeah. Don't just go. Go because you're sent and be sent there. Because yeah. that's the only way to be. It's the only way to fully live the Christian life. You know, 7.8 billion people on the planet right now. Do you think your life is just abandoned one of them? I don't want to live a self-led life. I want to live a sent life. Mm. Mm. I hear people say, I ask you, well, how did you come here then? Oh, I just came because of work. <laughs> I just ended up here because of work. Mm. I didn't. I came here to do the works of God. Yeah. I came here because I'm sent. And that isn't just because I lead the church, it's because I'm a Christian. Yeah. It's because I'm a Jesus follower. Yeah. That's the way I see it. You see, I lived for a long time thinking that life just drifts along and I can kind of be in the flow of that. Maybe some things happen that are good and some things happen that are bad and it just is what it is. And now I know Jesus. I know that that's not the case. I know he wants me to live a life, work, working for him, doing his work in the world is what it's all about for me. Not because, as I say, I lead a church. There are people with titles and positions of church leadership who are not doing the work of God. about doing the works not whether or not you get paid for it you have to know in what you're doing this week go send to the people to the place to the street you live on it makes all the difference it opens your eyes some people sometimes we end up I mean the enemy wants to blind you to this we look at a blind person, and that's obvious, but we don't see how blind we can be. What was the work of God that particular day that Jesus was there for? Heal the blind man. So Jesus says, let's do the work, and then he starts to heal him. I don't know, actually, whether he healed him straight off or not. He could have done, because what's happened? He's put mud all over this guy's eyes, and now he can't see anyway. <laughs> He just has to go, still blind, but maybe he could see. Because he was healed by Jesus, not by washing. But Jesus wanted him to go somewhere. That's another reason why he put it on him. He wanted him to go sent. That's why he sent him to a pool called Sent. Siloam. That's what it means. So maybe this guy is a great picture of somebody, what we can be like in life. He's, he's wandering through the streets of Jerusalem, not really knowing where he's going, blundering along, it looks like, to everybody else. But all he knows is Jesus has sent him somewhere. He's just got to put one foot in, in, in front of the other in the direction that Jesus has told him to go. That's a great picture of Christian life. That's where you end up seeing miracles. So he went. Because he was sent. What a picture of faith. See, we want it all so clear. We want it all laid out ahead of us. Then we'll see whether we can agree with it and believe for it. 
But he just went, because he was sent. And then he saw. Now we never know the blind man's name, but apparently he was well known to many of the people in Jerusalem. Why was he healed? Notice, by the way, he didn't come to Jesus. Sometimes other people did that, but he didn't approach Jesus, he didn't ask for healing. Nobody brought him to Jesus. All his life he lived in darkness, born blind. No idea, no memory of what sight would seem, what it would be. But he was healed because Jesus was sent to him. There's people who are waiting to be healed. And they won't be until somebody who is sent comes to them. You know, we're like, oh yeah, but if they come, then we can deal with them. We're called to go. We're called to be the missionaries, not have them come and do all the missionary work. We're meant to go, isn't it? Or if they come to church, then we can. It's if the church will go, then we'll see it. So he went where he was sent. He went to this pool called Siloam, which I read about. Is That's where the water came in that fed the altar at the temple. It's the place where the priests would wash their hands for all of the stuff in the Holy of Holies and all of those kind of things, it all came in from this pool called Sent. So the rabbi saw this as this incredible place that prefigured like, the Holy Spirit being poured out. No ordinary pool that he ends up going to. And we don't know how, how hard it was for him to get there. We don't know what obstacles he had to face. We don't know what people laughed at him as he was walking through the streets saying, oh, what's, up? what's he doing with mud all over his eyes? We don't know anything about all of that. But all he knew was this. This is no random journey. I've been sitting here day after day for years, dependent on other people, begging, but now I've got a purpose, because Jesus has sent me. I don't have a purposeless existence anymore because I'm going where I've been sent by Jesus. It's a mindset switch, isn't it? Again, this week, the place where you are, the people that you're with, what if you're there for them? For Jesus. When you're like, oh, I don't even know why I'm here. Look up. Get your eyes off yourself. Yeah. Put your eyes on Jesus. Put your eyes on the people. Spurgeon said, great Baptist preacher, whenever you see somebody in sorrow and trouble, the way to look at it is not to blame him and inquire how he came there, but to say, here is an opening for God's almighty love. Here is an occasion for the display of the grace and goodness of God. Mm-hmm. How different that could be. When, when you read up, you see these religious people got very cross about it. Not, not just with Jesus, they got cross with him as well. They denied the miracle. They denied he was even who he said he was. They denied his identity. They, they maligned his integrity. They wanted to debate with him. But what did he do? Kept it simple. You know, like Joe did before, really quickly, when asked, just told the story of the difference Jesus made in his life. Yeah. No big rambly story, just the story. We talk, sometimes talk about this at Ivy. BC, JC, AD. My life before Christ, how I met with Jesus Christ, the difference that that's made and is now making. But what you, if you're a Christian, you have got a, B, a BC, JC, AD story. Do you know what it is? Could you tell it to somebody? And do it in a minute. I was blind. I met Jesus. Now I can see. Argue with that. 
God's story. Mm. And guess what? If Jesus is in it, it's an amazing story. Amen. It's a world-changing story. You've got a story. Do you know what your story is? With Jesus in the middle. Other people need to know that story. Other people need to hear that story so they can get Jesus in the middle of their story too. Before Christ, I was a selfish, self-focused, sinful young police officer, drifting away my life, wasting it in all kinds of ways. But I could always point to somebody worse than me who I'd arrested to make myself feel better rather than deal with anything about myself. BC, JC, somebody invited me to come along and hear about Jesus. I went along, I heard about it, I was interested, I was interested in her. She gave me a Bible, I started to read the Bible. I was still interested, I'm driving to work one day. I'm just open to God, I'm listening to some music, I'm pow, he appears. And I'm convicted of my sins. And I know I need a new life, and I don't deserve it, but he gives it me anyway. And since then, my life has been such an adventure. Following him, going where he sent me, whether it's across the street or around the world to help other people find their way back to him. Awesome. Amen. That's my story, it's simple. We are sent. It's simple. So, we, we heard before about mission partners. Hands up if you're a missionary. Some people slower than others. Yeah. You know what? You are. If you're a Christian, you're meant to be a missionary. The word missionary isn't found anywhere in the English Bible, but it's from the Latin word mito, which means sent one. Sent. Where are you sent? The question is not are you a missionary, the question is are you going to be one? Are you going to go sent? Or are you just going to be there? This week, do you see yourself? as a sent one, or somebody who's just there. J. John says, a missionary is not someone who crosses the sea, it's someone who sees the cross. Mm-hmm. When you see the cross and you see what Jesus is doing you and who he is, and then he says, now I'm sending you, everything starts to change. So let's try it again. How many of you have seen the cross Know who Jesus is and what he's done for you. You love him and you want to go where he sends you and be a missionary. Most of us in here, which is pretty cool. And then we go sent. You go sent to that school. You go sent to be a governor. You go sent to get involved in helping with a work with with a, a workplace alpha course or or just to be a kind Christian who doesn't gossip about people at work to go and represent to bring light into the darkness that's what it is to be a missionary and when given the opportunity you open your mouth and appropriately give your BCJC AD story see we don't we don't go like the police trying to point out what's wrong we're sent as heaven's paramedics working miracles and bringing mercy and healing and power the power of heaven here on the earth. And if you're up for that, in a moment, I'm going to invite you to, if you want to, to come up and there's a few of us going to pray and anoint people for the place that you're sent. This is a sign of that. And uh, we've got some anointing oil and we'll do that. It's something we do kind of regularly here because we, we forget we're sent. We end up just living. We're not careful. It's a good thing to do to remember. 
my life is not random chance and accident. I'm here on mission for Jesus, wherever I am. So you can do that. But the other thing is, I also would love us to pray for the sick and for anybody who, who needs a miracle. It's part of that too. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you're wondering in that, well, I mean, actually, you could, if you've got faith for it, you can come and be one of those who prays for the sick as well, rather than being somebody who comes up and is the person coming for it. If you've got faith to believe that when you pray today, God will use you to do miracles, then you could also be one of those who comes and prays for the sick. If you're wondering whether or not Jesus will send you or use you, listen to these words from Heidi Baker. God is not interested in using the mighty, but the willing. He's not into using amazing people, just ones who are prepared to lay their life down before him. God is not looking for extraordinary, exceptionally gifted people, just laying down lovers of Jesus who will carry his glory with transparency rather than take it for themselves. Remember somebody saying years ago over the healing stuff, if you don't take the credit when it works, you have to take the blame when it doesn't. So we're going to invite you to pray. But, and whether in here or out there this week, to go sent with expectation. My job today has been to raise faith for you that wherever you go, miracles can happen. Have I done anything like that as a good job today for yeah. anybody? I hope I have, because I'm, I'm doing it for myself too. I want to raise the game in my own expectation with regard to faith and miracles, because the world really needs some people who believe that God's still got his stuff. Yeah. And what's helped me this week has been listening to some audibles and reading some books by, about a guy called Smith Wigglesworth. He was an ordinary guy from Bradford. Yeah. who never got formal education but after the age of seven because his family was so poor that he just had to get involved and help. Yeah. Who did nothing for God apart from being in church, really, until the age of 49 when he was baptised with the Holy Spirit at the age of 49. And that took him on a journey around the world where there's documented thousands of incredible miracles. Yeah. At least 20 people were raised from the dead under his ministry. Yeah. Wow. Ordinary guy. Here's what I read, one of the things that I read this week. This is what he said. And then I'm invited to come and pray. Some people only come with a very small thought concerning God's fullness. A lot of people are satisfied with a thimbleful. And you can just imagine God saying, oh, if they only knew how much they could take away. Other people come with a larger vessel and go away satisfied. God has a special way of satisfying the cry of his children who want more. He's waiting to open up to us the windows of heaven. There need be nobody in this place go away dry. God wants you filled. The dry ground can have floods. And may God save me from wanting anything less than a flood. I will not stoop for small things when I have such a big God. It's like a sparrow taking a drink of the ocean and looking round and saying, what a vast ocean. What a lot more I could have taken if only I had more room. There are people today right here in the midst of a great river of life, but they're dying of thirst because they will not dip down and take it. You may have the word, but you need an awakened spirit. I'll say that again. You may have the word, but you need... An awakened spirit. I need an awakened spirit to that. There is a stream that makes glad the city of God, a stream of life that makes everything move in life. There is no end to God's beginnings, but we must be in it. We must know it. It's not a touch, not a breath. It is the Almighty God Himself. It is a person. It is the Holy One dwelling in temples not made with hands. 
If you do not get this, you are living in a weak and impoverished condition. No good to yourself or anybody else. May God move us on to a place where there is no measure to the fullness that he wants to give us. The tide is rolling in. Let us see it. See to it today that we get right into the tide for it will carry you. Get your eyes off yourself. Lift yourself. Lift your eyes high to the Lord. For in the Lord there is everlasting strength. If you went to see a doctor, the more you told him, the more he'd know. But when you come to Dr. Jesus, he knows it all. He'll never give you the wrong medicine. Jesus sends his healing power and grace. There is nothing to fear. He was wounded that he might touch your infirmities. He took your flesh and laid it on the cross that he might destroy him out of the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lives subject to bondage. Never live in a place less than where God has called you to. I was finishing a meeting one day in Switzerland. This is what he says. When we ministered to all the sick, two boys came to us and said there was a blind man present at the meeting who had heard all the words of the preacher and he said he was surprised that he'd not been prayed for. They went on to say that this blind man had heard so much that he would not leave that place until he could see. I said, this is positively unique. God will do something today for that man. Amen. We got to this blind man. He said he'd never seen he was born blind. But because of the word preached in the afternoon, he was not going home until he could see. If ever I have joy, it's when I have a lot of people who will not be satisfied until they get all they've come for. With great joy, I anointed him that day and laid hands on his eyes and immediately got opened his eyes. It's very strange how he acted. There were electric lights. First he counted them, then he counted us. Oh, the ecstatic pleasure that every moment was created in that man because of his sight. It made us all feel like weeping, dancing and shouting. Then, looking as if he was been awakened from some long, strange dream, he realised the fact that he'd never seen the face of his father and mother. That night, he was the first... Sorry, so he went out and rushed out to see them. That night, he was the first in the meeting. All the people knew him as the blind man. I had to give him a long time to talk about his new sight. <laughs> Beloved, I wonder how much you want to take away today. You could not carry it if it was substance. But there's something about the grace, the power and the blessings of God that can be carried no matter how big they are. Oh, what a saviour, what a place we get to live in. By grace. He is willing to say to every heart, peace, be still. To every weak body, be strong. Are you going to go halfway or right to the end? Believe. <coughs> Amen. 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 going to come up and um, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and Lord in this place why don't you stand if you're able just invite the Holy Spirit's presence Lord we are expectant upon your power and there's some people who uh, perhaps need to come up as a reminder to say yes Lord I'm, I'm going to come and I need to be anointed by you. To know that the place where I'm going is no accident and the people that I'm, I'm put around are no accident. And maybe when it's 5.15 later on there's somebody that you're meant to bring along to it and you've not invited them yet. Or you invited them once and they said no but you need to go back. Say no come with me. And, uh, help them to find Jesus. Don't be afraid of rejection.
Lord, we pray now for anointing of your Holy Spirit. Just open, open up your hands and your heart to him. Lord, we want to be full of you. I want to be full of you. Emptied of myself. Anything that's of me, Lord, just lay that down. Lord, you died so I could die and rise again in your power. I pray for that sending power of Jesus. Place. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org/media. Thank you.